the community really, in my opinion, determines on their own when they go from being a group of people and they turn themselves into a community. Does that make sense? So once I started doing that and investing into those sides, for me, it's not the vanity metrics. I don't have the most Instagram followers. I don't have the most anything on social, but people that try to do what I did with the STR Wealth Conference and tried to even do a hundred or a 200 person conference over the last two years found out that Instagram's not your community. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Cruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. If you're like most Airbnb hosts, you likely started hosting as a side hustle. Perhaps your initial goal was just to cover the mortgage on your vacation home or make a few extra bucks for the kids' college savings. Or maybe it was even your very first real estate investment. But if you're listening to this podcast, chances are your Airbnb side hustle is becoming a real business. Now it feels like a full-time job and you might even be sleeping less than your guests. If this sounds more or less like your story, then you'll be ecstatic to meet today's sponsor, Host Labs. Think of Host Labs as the Robin to your Batman or the Yin to your Yang. Host Labs partners with short-term rental owners and operators like you so you can get away from the daily hosting chores and spend your time planning the next chapter of your business. Host Labs partners with you to set up seamless operations for your short-term rental business so you can focus on working on your business and not just in it. They do this by walking alongside you as you set strategic growth goals, determine how best to build your technology stack, and their in-house recruiting agency is the perfect resource for when you're ready to start scaling your team. Host Labs doesn't just tell you or show you what to do. They ensure that the job actually gets done, whether that be reducing your monthly burn or finding a new cleaning team. So if you're ready to keep growing your portfolio, Host Labs is here to help you turn your dream of owning a really cool hospitality business into a reality. You can get started with a free consultation to see if Host Labs might be the right match for your business at hostlabs.co. That's .co as in C-O forward slash B-T-S as in behind the stays. And if you decide to work with them, you'll qualify for an exclusive discount when you reference behind the stays during your chat with one of their team members. Again, that's hostlabs.co, C-O forward slash B-T-S. All right, guys, back to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Bill Faith, one of the most popular and well-respected voices in the short-term rental industry. Bill Faith has been involved in real estate for almost 25 years. In 2015, he switched the majority of his residential portfolio to short-term rentals, which were previously long-term rentals, after seeing an opportunity to increase profit and reduce risk. Bill currently has a multi-million dollar portfolio of short-term rental properties, primarily located in vacation rental markets, with a focus on beach, lake, and mountain properties. In addition to his own portfolio, he hosts the popular STR Unfiltered podcast, and he's the co-producer of STR WealthCon, one of the hottest industry events for vacation rental entrepreneurs. In this episode, Bill and I discuss the story behind how he traveled to golf tournaments with Tiger Woods, how he built, scaled, and sold his first businesses, how much money he makes off of his content versus his portfolio, how much money the STR WealthCon event makes and what the long-term vision for the event is, what he's recently changed his mind about, and so much more. This is a lively, exciting, fun conversation folks, you're going to love it. Without further ado, get ready to meet Bill. All right, Bill, we are live. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, Zach? Thanks for having me. I'm doing excellent. I, I'm excited to chat with you because you're one of those folks that I see everywhere all the time. 
you know, and yes, is that I, a good thing? Or a I, bad I don't know. Thing? I don't know. It depends. I guess it depends on who you ask. I just or the algorithms just know me too well, and they think that I, I should see more Bill in my life. I don't know what it is, but I see you everywhere. But we haven't actually had the opportunity to to connect before. So I'm just selfishly very excited for this conversation. Well, I, uh, likewise, the feelings mutual. Well, great. I um, was thinking, Bill, about how to craft this this chat because you've been on a lot of podcasts, right? You've got a very popular podcast, STR Unfiltered, yourself. I was binging a few of your episodes last night, and you're you're a little bit like the um, the the Tony Robbins of short term rentals. At least that that's sort of like the vibe that I got listening to your content. Has, has anyone told you that before? I've never heard that before, but I'll take that as a compliment. I think <laughs> I, I, I mean it. I mean it as a compliment. You know, Tony. Well, Rob- it's funny. I am so not a Tony Robbins guy, um, <laughs> but I am a guy that believes in manifesting life and hmm. building a life and that type of stuff. But I'm more, I think, of a no bullshit, pull no punches, you know, straight to the point type of a guy. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to your recent episode. I don't remember the name of the actual episode, but it, the the gist was all about... Don't worry, like, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> the gist was all about like two steps forward, right? And two <clears throat> steps further than anyone else is like willing to go. Two extra steps. Two extra steps. There you go. Thank you. Yep. And that whole yeah. like framing and, and the diction in your voice and like the way that you, the way that you wove that through a, a beautiful sort of like story with lots of great examples... It felt very Tony Robbins esque to me, and again, I mean that in in a very complimentary way. So, I, I w- you've done a lot of things, right? So you've got you you've got um, um, STR unfiltered your podcast. You are the kind of co founder of uh, STR WealthCon, which has become one of the, like the most. I think one of the largest and most recognizable events in the industry. You also have Market My STR, which is a new marketing platform that you've rolled out. So you've got so many different things going on. You also have a crazy like history where you were you were a golfer, right? And didn't you like room, um, you know, at some point with like Tiger Woods on on like a tour? Is is that is that a true story? Not on the PGA tour and junior golf many times. Okay, yeah, him and it was it was usually either my mother and. Me and Tiger, another guy named Jason Gore, who now works for the USGA, but or it was Earl, his father, um, you know, myself. And, you know, probably 15, 20 times. I mean, it's just, wow, we were kids, we we're teenagers. And I was a little bit older than he was, but, you know, I couldn't, my mom couldn't afford to get me a car. So she would drive me down. We lived in Bakersfield, California, like halfway down to where they lived in Orange County. His father, his mother would come pick me up. We'd go the rest of the way, that type of thing. But that's what all kids do when you're soccer or golf or yeah. whatever. Wow, wow. Okay, so so you have this very interesting life and you seem bill like somebody who's who's very opinionated based off of, you know, the the content of yours that I've listened to, right? Which which I think is a good thing. But but so right. one of the one of the questions I had right off the bat is like what's something that's somewhat significant that you've recently changed your mind about, right? Cuz sometimes really opinionated people, really stubborn people don't don't often change their mind, you know. Uh, uh, you know, often, right? They 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 have very strongly held opinions, and yet you're also a really smart, savvy guy. So I want to hear right off the cuff, like, what's something in your life, ideally in your in your professional life, that you've recently like changed course on or or, or changed your mind about? Honestly, probably that I don't need to be healthy in hmm. my life it has nothing to do with business. Well, it does have something to do with business. Um, I mean, I'm on a weight loss journey to get, you know, not like dieting, not, you know, ozempic or whatever that yeah. the drugs called that people are, are taking, but to get healthier. And so I was very healthy and, and one of the, it's interesting. So I'm an, I'm an all in or all out guy. There's no middle of the fucking road for me at all. So when you talk about those two extra steps, you talk about maxing out your life, maxing yeah. out, you know, return on that tree house or tiny home or whatever it is. I want to be at the best. So, man, during COVID, yeah. I was the best guy at eating charcuterie and <laughs> drinking bottles of wine every day. I put on 80 pounds. You wow. know, and, and you know what? I really didn't give a shit. Yeah. I got a hot wife. She's a designer. She's a trainer. My kids are healthy. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to drink wine. I'm going to eat what I want. I'm going to do whatever. Yeah. And then lo and behold, I'm like 306 pounds. Wow. Um, I hosted a private retreat in Montana in May. And it was disgusting when I saw the photos, hmm. right? Then we did a super team photo shoot and I look at my quadruple chins and everything. I was 306 pounds. 
Chris, who's my COO that works for me, went on a journey and lost 200 pounds in just over two and a half years. Wow. And he gave me a book. It's behind me here. It's called the, the obesity, uh, something. Okay. And I read it and I, and look the, the deal, here's what happened. All of that kind of transpired. I went to my doctor. I had to get an annual physical. He said, dude, you're pre-diabetic. Wow. I'm like, I've lived in Nashville for 20 years. I've known him for 12. Our kids go to school together. He's like, you need to lose some fucking weight. Yeah. And I'm like, I know, but I just haven't had the motivation to want to do it. He's all, do you want to take insulin shots? Do you want to fucking die? He's just, he's talking to me the way that I talk yeah, yeah, in yeah. my language. Yeah. And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, then just fucking do something about it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so I started right before this retreat. I'm down like 33 pounds wow. doing it the, the regular way. And uh, that's really the big thing. Just that mindset shift you know, to go from being a fat slob to, you know, wanting to be healthy. And it's not like to get in shape for my conference or anything like that. That happened last winter yeah. around this time. And my mastermind members, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to get, you know, we put on a weight loss contest from, you know, there's like 2000 bucks in a pool. That just doesn't motivate me. But, you know, the when he said something about, you know, your mom died from OCP, whatever, COPD, smoking, that type of stuff. Now you're pre-diabetic. You know, you're going to, you know, if you get COVID, you know, yeah. all these things that, that happen that you don't really think about that did change my opinion. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. the other thing, I mean, I'm, I don't talk politics, but yeah. I will tell you, I'm an anti, I was an anti-vaxxer, but when I saw people actually die, yeah. I got vaccinated and I got a booster, but I was also traveling all yeah. the time and on flights and that type of stuff. So I am very opinionated, but I am open-minded yeah. to look at other people's perspectives. I think if you're going to be a great coach, hmm. which I'm trying to be every single day, yeah. that you have to be open-minded. It's one of the things I love. I'm enamored. Uh, and I'm not, I was not a Deion Sanders fan when he was an athlete, but I am a huge fan of his as a coach. Hmm. I was a college golf coach as well. And the way that he's molding he's, his kids and the way that he speaks to them, I'm I'm not glued to T Swift. I loved. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a closet Swifty actually. Um, but on TikTok, I love watching these videos of Dion speaking to his team at halftime, speaking mm. to his team. You know, when they just blew a 29 point lead against Stanford, that type of stuff. So yeah. I am very open minded, and I'm actually very middle of the road on on a lot of things that most people probably wouldn't wouldn't believe. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? You are confirming just about everything that I I tend to know about like people who I, I consider to be quite extreme as well, right? I, I think a lot a lot of extreme people are actually far more reasonable and open-minded than I think the average person would, would assume, right? And I think it probably just comes from when you talk with authority, which Bill, I think we can, we can all agree that you, you talk with, you know, with, with authority. It, it might come across to some folks as like, whoa this is this is like this is too intense it's, it's like very extreme and in actuality the words that you're saying are not particularly extreme you're just using you're just you're just speaking with authority and that 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 it's can the be presentation to exactly exactly and yet in actuality you're you're a pretty like reasonable person so it, it, it's just funny how how our minds how, how we're so quick to assume that authority or speaking with intensity is synonymous with like extremism, if that makes sense. A hundred percent, you know, and, and I get that, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I look at Ed Milet, who you may or may not know who Ed Milet is. And you no. know, he is, he's a huge speaker, pure personal development, um, you know, business, all these things. And he's probably a top 100 speaker in the world right now. Wow. But he's buff. I mean, he's jacked. He's like my age, he's forties, fifties, um, and he is just passionate when he speaks. And that's really what it is for me. Hmm. When I speak about something, whatever it is, kind of going back, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I get that people removing cleaning fees doesn't work for some people. That's why I tell them to test it. I'm all in on no cleaning fees right now. And I'm seeing the results yeah. based on how I'm executing that and testing that. Right. So when people say, Oh, Bill said, remove my cleaning fees. And I went from page two to page four. That's your fucking problem because you didn't listen to me <laughs> and actually test it the way that you should. You should have never been that negatively impacted. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So I think yeah. it's a lot of that's the passion that, you know, kind of comes through with a lot of people. And, you know, for me, it's funny. 
it took, I have two young girls. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a girl dad, right? I got two girls. I got two female dogs. I got a female cat for my daughter. My, I'm the only testosterone in my house. <laughs> and my wife had to teach me like when I would get, I'm not the yeller on the sidelines at a soccer game. I don't say a word. I just sit there because I was a coach, right? I, I yeah. just sit back, let them do their thing. Let them come to me. But man, when I'm like trying to teach them how to do a move or dribble, I get too passionate about it. And they think I'm yelling at them. They think I'm getting mad at them. I'm yeah. not. I'm like, I just want you to know how to do it the right way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So that's, I think that's the difference. I think a lot of people misrepresent that with people. Ed Milet's a type B personality. Hmm. You know, hmm. there's, um, God, what's the bio? I can never remember his name. The bar rescue guy. You ever seen the show bar rescue? No, I haven't. No, it's the most watched show in television, actually. Okay. Well, clearly I'm um, living under a rock. God, I can't remember his name. I, I got to meet him okay. at a lunch before a keynote in Vegas, and he's just the softest spoken guy, just great. But on the show, he yells, yeah. and I was sitting in the front row, and when he was at the edge of the stage, he's like spitting on us. He's just like <laughs> a dog, you know, But he's and he's yelling at the top of his lungs. Yeah. It's so loud. There's 2,000 people in here, and that's just not his regular personality. We got done. I'm like, dude, how much do you practice that? He's all out. I don't. That's just my passion that comes out. Yeah. When I'm at home, I read the paper. I have yeah. a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, my wife's the one that talks. I don't talk. All, and it's kind of the same thing with me. The interesting thing is that people had seen me at the SDR Wealth Conference or in the other places that I speak. Dude, I'm an introvert. Hmm. If I'm not in my comfort zone, I'm just like everybody else. I'm the eighth grade guy, you know, an eighth grade sitting over here pretending to text my friends because <laughs> I don't know what to do and I'm afraid to walk up to the girl. You know, it's all we all we all deal with the same stuff. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, this is super interesting. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I, I want to I want to talk about content and and community and these various like products and services that that you've uh, that you've created really based around your portfolio. I was reading a little bit up on you before we chatted here and based off of your like LinkedIn bio, right? Sounds like you had a portfolio in uh, kind of traditional long-term rentals, made a decision at some point to pivot that into, into short-term rentals and, and you've grown uh, it, it sizably since. I, I, I'm curious to hear a little bit about sort of like at what point you got into content, right? Because because from, from some people's perspective, right? There are, are more and more of these like quote unquote, like influencers or Airbnb gurus that have like popped up. And some people will on like X, you know, or LinkedIn will even say there's more money in in short term rental content or in talking about Airbnbs than there actually is in Airbnbs. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just I, I want to hear from you, like where at what point in time do you get interested in developing content that, of course, you know, is is related to the learnings of from your portfolio? But then also extends far far beyond that. What's the story there? And then what what can you just share with us about like from a business standpoint, what the breakdown of you know revenue earnings from from content from from your events versus your actual portfolio look like? Sure, that's something nobody's ever asked me before. Okay, um, good. Really, I got into content in February of two thousand seven. Wow. Um, you know, and that was when I became a HubSpot customer. Are you familiar with HubSpot? I am a huge HubSpot fan. Yes. 
Huge. I was their 33rd customer. No way. Amazing. Not 30, not 3,300th customer, 33rd. 33rd. Wow. So where I can actually speak to Brian and Darmesh, the founders directly. Yes. They had like four employees at the time wow. um, when they, when they bought a, a platform called performable, which is what created the enterprise, uh, you know, component. And they had first time they had smart content and that type of stuff. I was the first on what they called the big program. I was the first one to get access wow. uh, to that, the first enterprise customer. So I only give that as backstory because that's where I learned content Yeah. prior to that. And all of my other business ventures, it was, product it was paid advertising it was aol and netscape chat rooms when i'm drop shipping brazilian swimwear from bell aqua bikinis in 92 and 93 and 94 before being acquired by, by venus swimwear wow. it was all like direct sales type of stuff it was never about creating content i look back today man if i had wild bills texas smokehouse today yeah which was a small restaurant me and my wife started and we turned it into six in central california wow and i did what probably a lot of your followers do, then I, I can only imagine how much bigger that would have grown. But here's the deal. I learned about inbound marketing from them. I built an agency called inbound marketing agents. It was about $11 million digital marketing agency, helped wow. them build, helped spot build out their partner program, blah, 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 blah. That's really when I learned it. When I really started to apply was after I exited the limousine, the ground transportation space. And I started inbound marketing agents and I started blogging wow. and I started sharing. People wanted to know how I built companies so quickly, how I built the 50 million, the 30 million. I did all of these things in less than five years. And because I get, I would get bored and I would yeah. sell. And I just, I'm a guy that wants to build stuff. Right. Yeah. So like college coaching, did it for four years, restaurant business, two years, Bell Aqua bikinis, three years. There's just this run rate of history of getting bored and wanting to do something, something else. new. Yeah. yeah. Um, other people would call it psychotic. <laughs> Um, so I get, the, I, I the can relate a little bit. So started, I, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. That? I was, I was just saying I can, I can relate. You're, you're speaking my language a little bit. So you, you, you sound perfectly sane to me, Bill, but, uh, but, but, <laughs> but keep going. That's what happens when you put two crazy people in a padded room, like where you're sitting right now, the, uh, the application really started with Twitter for me mm. in 2012. I'd exited out of the ground transportation space. I started inbound marketing agents. I was able to hire my mentor at HubSpot to come and be my CMO. Wow. The ironic part, God, in 2012, how long ago was that? 11 years ago. So what am I, 50? I was 40, 39 years old. He was 24. He was my mentor. That's the interesting thing about wow. this, right? Wow. And he's like, dude, we got a blog. We started blogging five times a day. He's all, you need the leverage. There was Vine back then. You you and your audience might not remember Vine. It was six inch yeah, uh, videos six and stuff yeah, on yeah. Twitter. And we and I hired a social media manager. You know, back then, it and she had the pink hair and the green hair and the taps and all that <laughs> stuff that's like commonplace today, but 10, 15 years ago was not overly acceptable within an agency setting yeah and her name was cherry and she's the one that really tried to help me because even at 39 38 39 i'm still the old guy trying to create content yeah. all my staff were in their early 20s and that was really the first time that we got into content so i built all my content in that the agency and the the inbound space and then in the limo space and 2015 is when I really figured out that scaling an agency is really hard based on the returns. And there's not a very big exit strategy unless you can grow to 50 million to hundred million. And I already have 19 employees. I didn't want that again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I made a cognitive decision to separate from my business partner that I brought in with me who invested nothing into the company of sweat equity and downsize the agency. And I ended up keeping one employee that's Chris who is now my COO. Wow. <clears throat> and excuse me, I built Lim Limo University, which still exists today. And it was my first online kind of education coaching platform uh, that I had. But I built my brand in that industry, even when I was an operator, it was long before I got into that space to monetize information, to monetize knowledge, to build courses, yeah. masterminds, all that type of stuff. And it was through speaking and educating. And that was the one thing that I learned from Darmesh uh, Shaw, Brian Halligan, the two co-founders of HubSpot and what they bred, it's not BS with inbound marketing, that whole culture. I mean, I was wearing the, the orange track suits too, yeah. right? <laughs> Their whole culture 
was bred around educating. Hmm. So when they went from one blog a day to five blogs a day, inbound marketing agents went from one blog to five blogs. Wow. When I saw them start to get out from behind the, the orange sprocket and start speaking, Bill started speaking. I just kind of mimicked what they were doing to be successful because I was also knee deep in their culture. So for me, it's really just education. I am, I'm, I mean, I, I'm 50. I, I suck at doing TikTok videos that are going to go viral. That's never going to happen. But that two extra steps you mentioned earlier, Zach, yeah. that's what has built me a ray, a rabid tribe. Yeah. Right. And like my tribe is in my email list. My tribe is in my 30,000 person Facebook group. Yeah. Avery Carl, you know, Kyle Stanley, they have hundred thousand people. I just was on the phone with Avery earlier. She's on my super team. People have bigger audiences, Yeah, but because of taking that two extra steps, because of being successful, because of truly investing into that word that I think is used way too much in the wrong way community. Yeah. People think that, oh, I've got people in a place and that's a community. Yeah. Community is how well you serve them, right? It's just like brand. Hmm. You and I don't get to determine our brand. The community, the marketplace yeah. determines our brand. The community really, in my opinion, determines on their own when they go from being a group of people and they turn themselves into a community. Yeah. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So once I started doing that and investing into those sides, for me, it's not the vanity metrics. So I don't have the most Instagram followers. I don't have the most anything on social, but people that try to do what I did with the STR Wealth Conference and tried to even do a hundred or a 200 person conference over the last two years found out that Instagram is not your community. Yeah. That yeah. TikTok is not your community. That literally you probably have 40 or 50% fake followers, number one. And number two, you can't engage the way on those platforms that you can in a private group. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you co combine email marketing with somebody that will get go that, I don't like saying the extra mile, but take those two extra steps, be accessible and pour in to your community. That's how you can sell out, you know, 2000 person conferences, you know, and, and not have to worry about selling tickets on Instagram and, yeah. you know, discounting. And there's other things that go into it, but I see a lot of coaches that try to do what I do and they don't pour in, they yeah. charge for everything. Yeah. Yeah. You have to earn the right to be able to sell somebody something. Yeah. And if you're really fucking good, you shouldn't have to sell them something. They should buy from you out of reciprocity based on how much value you've created for them first. That's the inbound marketing methodology. In a nutshell, yeah. So I, I want to dig into this a little bit more because you it's it's incredible that you've had this background in inbound. I didn't realize your connection to to HubSpot early on. That that makes a lot of sense actually. Uh, all of this is making a little bit more sense to me. But I want to hear a little bit about the actual business of content, right? So you've got these masterminds, you've you've got um, you've got the conference, right? Talk to us if you can just about sort of like how how those you know those businesses, if you will, like those. I don't know if you if you prefer to call them products. Um, how how are those structured and and how do they perform? I'll start with a conference because that's like right around the corner, and everybody listening should come to this conference and buy tickets because I'm going to be on the hook for close to two million. Wow. That's two with all the zeros behind it. Wow. Most conferences don't become profitable until year three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, luckily, when I was in the ground transportation space, I started a company called Gage Grand Avenue. A company, I, I started Silver Oak, sold to Grand Avenue, then started Grand Avenue Global Events, which was a DMC, a destination management event company. Okay. I've, I've been taught at a young age and very well, and everybody takes this term for granted, surround yourself with pe for people that are smarter than you. Yeah. So I look at that in a very siloed fashion. So when I started Grand Avenue Global Events, I sat on the board of MPI, which was Meeting Professionals International. I was on GBTA, Global Business Travel Association. I was already well and trying, and I knew how to run events just by learning and paying attention. Yeah. Well, when I started the DMC, I hired Robin Bass, who was the former president of MPI here in Nashville and worked for the largest destination management coordinator. I hired Don England, who was the largest producer and salesperson for uh, Gary Music Productions and knew how to produce and knew how to sell. They ran that company. Okay. I learned from them. They're working with FedEx, Juice Plus, Hunt Brothers Pizza, all these different types of people. All I helped them with was sales and the business processes and that type of stuff. So I knew what to do learning, being in leverage in that, on how to put together a small event. The, basically, the the STR Wealth Conference, which will have 3,000 plus attendees, 
you know, Damon, John, the sick, we don't even announce really till Monday, uh, tickets go on sale, but, um, there'll be a lineup. There'll be an atmosphere. There'll be networking all with intention, the music, the rock show. It's like 10 X meets click funnels meets bigger pockets type of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's not a boring fucking conference. You want to come <laughs> to a party in Nashville and get the best education and the best networking. That's what it is. But that started with 13 people in the back of my office in Cannery Row in downtown Nashville when I ran my first boot camp in 2015. Okay. And then I ran 37 or no, 31 boot camps before I even ran my first boot camp here in the short-term rental space. Right. And that's really what manifested in because I'd done a 500, a 200 person event in the limo space and a 500 person event. So it really wasn't that big of a deal to go to a thousand people when I started the SDR Wealth Conference. I knew how to make money in that event because I'd learned from Don and from Robin. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. So Mike and I made about 400 grand in the first year. Wow. And the goal was to make 500. We took $0. We reinvested into year number two and year number two was better. Then, but we were at the same venue. So we're capped at a thousand people. Expenses were the same. We gave an extra day of food. That's another hundred thousand bucks. What people don't understand is how much it costs to put on an yeah. event. <laughs> There's a guy in Nashville that reached out to me a week ago that in the same venue, the Wild Horse Saloon is putting on an event next week while I'm at VRMA in Orlando. And he asked if I could help him sell some last minute tickets. He's going to lose 200 grand in that event. He's only sold like 200 tickets. Wow. Yeah. And I feel really bad for him, but I'm going to be out of town and there's really not much that I can do. Yeah. So there's people, there's mega influencers in our industry, Zach, that tried to put on a 200 to 300 person event in the last two years and they can't pull it off. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think a lot of that's because of the community and a lot of that's because of the accessibility and a lot of that's because of the pouring in and creating great coaching. Yeah. Free and or paid. Yeah. So, the SCR Wealth Conference this year, it's almost a $2 million budget. Wow. That is scary shit. Yeah. For, especially as the economy has turned. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 100%. A little bit. But I believe, just like in me building super properties, a super portfolio, a super life, maxing everything out, I had to invest more into this year's conference. And I'm not just talking 3X to go from 1,000 to 3,000 people. I'm like 5Xing it. Because I need to make it so freaking attractive that people will have FOMO the day that we start selling tickets publicly, which is Monday after we record this podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they can't, they're like, man, I have to go to learn how to do this. I have to go learn how to see this person. Oh my God. Like, I'll give you a prime example. It's that two extra steps. It's the difference in me and building a super property versus a regular property. Yeah. You know, you can have all the tiny homes you want. You can have eight tiny homes, right? But if I can build it with six and make it more attractive to my ideal buyer, if we have the same ideal buyer, I'm going to make more money because I'll be able to charge them more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So for us, the problem is the bigger you get, the less you charge for tickets. So our ticket pricing is lower this year than it has been last year. So the economics in that is it's going to cost me, I, I've got two million roughly. It's like one right now it's about 1.85 million we know that's going to grow yeah to 2 million that's my break even point wow you can do the math on the ticket prices and what's yeah. available and then look at the sponsors i mean you want to talk about a major fuck up i sent out my entire sponsor prospectus to my 24,000 person email list by accident about three and a half weeks ago. So everybody knows what it costs to be a sponsor, but I'm actually fine with that. I yeah. mean, I'm an open book. I'm transparent. I'm honest about everything. Yeah. And so that is not really a revenue generator for me. Um, and, and the conference side by any means yeah. that is invest to get back because there is a long-term plan. Yeah. Right. With every business that I start, and even if you've seen my recent stuff about the life plan and these types of things, there's a plan that has to be built for us to execute on because if we don't have that desired outcome, yeah. How do we make sound decisions today? Yeah. We can't. Yeah. And especially for your audience that's in their 20s, their 30s, you know, whatever that is, you better have the exit fucking plan in a business yeah. and also in life. Hmm. Whether you're married or you're single, yeah. right? What are you doing today? How do you make decisions today if you don't know what you're going to do when you're 40 or 50 or 60? Yeah. And I mean, someone that's 25, and I, I, Bill, you're crazy. When I'm 25, <laughs> that was half my life ago. Yeah. I wish I would have had that. Yeah. I didn't put a life plan together until 2015, hmm. just eight years ago. 
but it's fundamentally changed the rest of my life. So like the, there's a plan for that conference to go from the thousand at the wild horse saloon to the music city center to 3000 this year to 5,000 in Nashville next year, but we're already negotiating 2026 in Las Vegas at either the Venetian Mandalay Bay or MGM to be at seven to 9,000 in Vegas. Yeah. Right. And that's one thing. The other thing people don't understand you're negotiating, putting deposits down. So when I say Mike and I, I shouldn't even say Mike and I, the conference made $400,000 in year one. Yeah. Year number two, we didn't do the second smaller retreat, which this is year number two. The conference was just in March of this year. We made about, I think about the same amount, maybe a little bit less, about 300, 350,000 off of this year's conference. So we have 750 K to work with going into a $2 million conference. I had to put a deposit down on this year, last year. If I secure 2025 and 2026, I got to put deposits down on those now. And it's not just for the venue. So there's a lot of business. There's a lot of money that outflows. It's almost like a Ponzi scheme because I've got to make money now to pay down the road. And then what happens if I don't make money now and I got to pull the plug, then I can't have that event. Right. Yeah. So you got to continue to sell, continue to sell if you want to grow. And it's a scary thing, but I also know you mentioned Tony Robbins earlier, and I know Tony's mentality in regards to money and in regards to abundance and helping people. Yeah. You know, if he does unleash the power for the last 25 years at 500 bucks a ticket, he probably only hits 10% of the people that he's been able to reach at 3,500 to $10,000 a ticket. Right. Yeah. So you also have to have the product to be able to back that up. There's no question my conference is the best conference in this industry, whether it's 500 people or it's 3000 people. If you like that type of thing, yeah. if you like the music, if you like the kind of rock show 10 X, you know, type of a deal with great, uh, you know, education behind it. If you don't, then that's not your jam. And that's yeah. kind of the same thing when people are choosing podcasts or coaches or whatever, you got it. You're going to connect with somebody that you resonate with. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. So I want to ask about uh, that a little bit more because we there has been a a an abundance of of new conferences and events that have sort of popped up as, you know, podcast hosts and Instagram creators and Airbnb gurus, right? They everyone was doing a course a couple of years ago, now everyone seems to be doing a conference, right? And and, and it is. I think it is difficult to figure out like where where should you go, like where where are your people, and and honestly, I, I think that the the best answer is probably you could get value from a bunch of different events, right? And it really at the end of the day comes down to as you were just saying, what are you like? Who are you, and where where do you best fit in, and what kind of culture from an event standpoint are you actually looking for? That said. One of the things that I that I have some of the feedback I, I've I've been to two events myself only two events I'm brand new to this this industry, um, and I was fortunate enough to speak at both of those events. And afterwards, I had people come up to me and send me, you know emails and in social DMs afterwards, just like really really thanking me and saying, "Hey, I've gone to conferences for you know five years, and this is like I, I just really appreciate how tactical the information was. It was super super helpful." Blah blah, blah. and so. I I'm like a nobody, right? I'm I'm not that that special, but the sentiment that I got was that there was and what people have literally told me over emails, we're we're hungry for like quality content. So much of the content at these events are like really fluffy or like or like super pumpy up pump you uppy, right? But 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 without a lot of substance. And so from from your from your vantage point as somebody who you know content really well, you know how to build businesses really well. Like you've got this like proven track record. When it comes to events, right? When it comes to SCR WealthCon, h- how do you guys vet content to ensure that the content is is exceptional? Because again, it's one thing to have a great experience, to have great music, to you know, you know, have amazing cocktail hours and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if people don't walk away with something valuable, whether it's networking or feel like they are inspired with great actionable resources to go, you know, do better in their respective businesses do they end up coming back? So how do you guys think about like curating content? Cause I imagine that that's a really, really difficult thing to do. I do all of it. You do all of it. Wow. So all of it. Wow. So I, I am, I'm, I invite the speakers. I vet what they're going to speak about. We have a no pitch zone. Wow. So you cannot have QR codes and selling courses and products and bullshit like that. Grant Cardone 
I don't want to say he ruined 10x, but he changed 10x dynamically when he let Russell Brunson do $4 million in sales in two hours from his stage and then started, you know, charging people and taking rev share, yeah. you know, off the stage. Um, so we don't allow people to sell. Hmm. We don't allow them to pitch. Um, if there's somebody on stage that has a booth or is a sponsor or something and they can say, Hey, come meet me at my, you know, booth and I'll answer questions for you, but there's no sales pitches. That's yeah. number one. That's where people ruin conferences because they're going to break even or lose money and they got to make money on the back end. Yeah. Right. So then they let the speaker sell or they bring in Gary V and instead of spending 200 grand for Gary, they say you can pitch. Gary's a bad example because he wouldn't pitch. Yeah, yeah. You know, from a stage. You know, Ty Lopez. Yeah, Ty. Lopez. Ty comes in. And Ty will sell the. Ty, Ty will sell you nine products in thirty minutes because that douchebag all he cares about is selling fucking product and making money. The difference, I think, is why you're doing this. Hmm. I think a lot of these small. There's only two reasons that somebody does the conference, right? Really, three. They either want to get back to the community, and we can just scratch that off because that's that's anybody that tells you that's gonna. It's called, I'm going to call bullshit on it. Yeah. I started my conferences because I wanted to build my influence in the industry, just yeah. like everybody else. Yeah. Right. When you're on, and you saw this, when you're on stage there, you are perceived differently. Yeah. When you write a book, yeah. you are perceived differently. When you write a New York times bestseller, you've just gone up a whole nother level. Yeah. Right. Then the type of conference that you get on that stage is a whole nother level. Hmm. I don't speak at a lot of the small conferences, yeah. honestly, because I don't want my brand associated with the small conferences. Huh. And I was just out in San Diego and spoke at STR Nation. Um, and, you know, a great little conference that Patrick um, and Stephanie put on. And Avery Carl was there. And, you know, Rich Summers was there. And myself was speaking. And Natalie Palmer, they had great content. And that was one of the things that before I committed, I said, who's speaking and what type of content is going to be delivered there? Yeah. But so for me, at my conference, I have a no pitch zone. Yeah. I vet all the content. Uh, the only, and like, I'll give you an example. Key, most keynote speakers are doing pie in the sky, 30,000 foot level stuff. Yeah. Damon John, I'm spending six figures to bring in Damon John to speak. You know why I selected Damon John? Why? One, I love Shark Tank. Yeah. One, I love. I have a similar story. I started my whole deal selling T-shirts out of the back of my mom's 1984 Ford Tempo, <laughs> right? So him and I <clears throat> will have a connection when I actually get to meet with him and tell yeah. him my story. But instead of him standing on stage and just projecting the Shark Tank deal or the FUBU deal, we're sitting him down. Hmm. Me and my, Mike and I are going to flank him. And we're doing a Q&A with him. And wow. we're going to take questions, not live, but there's going to be a way for the the audience to be able to Interact. you know, ask yeah. questions of Damon John and vote on them and do that type of stuff to where it's interactive with the audience to where we can get real answers to real business questions yeah. as opposed to just a keynote presentation. Yeah, That yeah. hopefully summarizes the way that I look at, at content. For me, it's educational. Yeah, I give away worksheets. Yeah, That's why I chose Mike McCallowicz. You know, last year, I'll give you two things here. I mean, so if you know who Mike McCallowick says, he wrote the book Profit First. Every one of your listeners should read this fucking book and read it early. Yeah. Mike had a, a two flip charts. Mike had a worksheet that we had to deliver to everybody so they could follow along. Mike spent five and a half hours after he got off stage with my VIPs wow. and that type of stuff. Wow. So much so. He's coming to teach this because this is how I invest. The pumpkin plan. To my mastermind. In Montana, literally, I'm paying him. I shouldn't, I can't say his fee publicly. Yeah. I'm paying him to come and teach my mastermind the pumpkin plan because he was so good at my conference. And that's how I invest. So I think for me, the content is actionable. Hmm. I go through every single, every slide of every presentation before it's put out. Wow. Instead wow. of speakers delivering a presentation, you know, to the AV guy when they walk up on a flash drive, it has to be delivered two weeks prior to. Yeah. So I have a chance to go through it and they have to make edits and I approve everything with Chris before he uploads it into the system. Wow. I think a lot of that, <laughs> it's not like control. It's not a, a power play. I grew up in a family of educators. My mom was an educator. My grandmother, my grandfather was an educator. A conference should be about actionable items that you can take away from every fucking session yeah. and be able to implement. The problem is, is when you have 10 speakers in a day, you really need to hone that into three to five things. Yep. And one of my deals is I'm going to, I'm going to force you to write down goals for one day, seven days, 30 days, and 90 days. And the most important thing people go out, Oh my God, what do I want to accomplish in 90 days? Don't worry about that. 
What small victory are you going to get right now before you get your fat ass out of that chair and get, you know, tied up networking with people or get on the flight and you go back home and then you have the tsunami of life, business, kids, soccer, whatever it is, family, husband, wife. We have to execute something immediately before we leave a conference. So if any of your listeners are listening and they decide to come to the conference, it's February 5th through the 8th, strwealthconference.com. I will challenge you to not fly out until the afternoon of the 8th. The 8th is only for like VIPs, diamond, platinum, all that type of stuff. So if you're going to get a regular ticket, fly in on the 5th, come to the workshops that day, all day the 6th, all day the 7th. Don't even think about getting a flight out on the 7th and don't even think about doing it before noon. Stay in your hotel room or your Airbnb, get a late checkout and start fucking executing before you leave. Hmm. Well, the problem, Zach, is most people wait till they get home. Yeah. And that literally diminishes it. It's, it's, a, it's a fact at small meetings, at literally large conferences, less than 30 people will actually execute on what they learn. So my goal is to get that number to like 70 or 80% by having them go through and let's just get one actionable win today because it's easier to value stack if we get a small victory. We can celebrate it and then we're like jacked up. I want to go on to that second thing. Yeah. But when we leave and we don't do anything the day we leave and we go – Everybody goes and parties and, you know, downtown Nashville, drinks, whatever. You get up, you're hungover, you get on your flight, you go home. How are you going to execute when you get home and your kids and your dog and your business and whatever? You know, oh, mommy, daddy, we missed you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. yeah. Now you're 48 hours in and you've forgotten 70% of the fucking shit that you learned. You wasted your money. Yeah. I do not want people to waste their money. Hmm. So that's why I vet the content. That's why we try to make it extremely actionable and we keep the session short. Wow. Wow. Oh gosh. This is uh this is this is so good. This is so this sorry, is so I'm revealing. yelling and I'm cussing. Remember that stuff we talked about with like the passion it's and very all on that brand. type of stuff. It's very, it's very on brand, Bill. And and I I only ever want people to be themselves. So this is this is great. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. So you've got, you talked about the conference for a long time. You've got your, your, your course, you've got your community, you've got this new platform that you've launched. Like what, what can you tell us even just kind of like a, a, a rough range, right? Of the content that bill is associated with like how how much revenue at the end of the day does that bring in and how does that kind of compare to your to your actual str portfolio well i mean i I, everything you can find all of that online so i mean i made nine hundred ninety seven thousand dollars net net income off my own portfolio last year okay um i have pumpkin planned i've trimmed off a property in beach mountain which was my lowest performing property that had enough equity to make it worthwhile to sell. Pumpkin plan, bought a property in uh, Montana. I bought two properties in Montana this year. Um, and the second one that I bought was in a 1031 after turning the smaller pumpkin into a bigger pumpkin. That'll increase my net income by probably about 30000 to thirty to $35,000 next year. I just yep. literally put it into service last week. But if I can do roughly about which i probably won't but i got to do like 27 28,000 i did 997,000 dollars in net income last year off my own portfolio believe me there's some vanity there's some ego in all of us yeah. i needed that one last good booking you know yeah. to get over that million dollar mark and i didn't hit it and <laughs> honestly i probably won't hit it i'm so close 
this year, but um, I'm probably going to be very, I, I might even be down a little bit in net income yeah. because I've invested more money to continue to upgrade for the future, you know, into my properties. Um, I'll probably end up the year, I'm going to guess somewhere between 970 to 990. So very close to where I was uh, the previous year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so the goal was only to do $800,000 in revenue on my life plan. Yeah. Back in 2015, it was 500 total, wow. like total income. Wow. Right. So that's, that's about $2.1 million, $2.2 million in gross revenue. I do about 45, 46% in net income. Um, I have a co-hosting business uh, that I do just about between, I'll do 385 to 400 net income off of my co-hosting business. Uh, build short-term rental wealth. Uh, we'll do over a couple of million, uh, you know, off of that. SDR Wealth Conference we've talked about. I mean, it's making, you know, roughly 400 net a year, but Mike and I don't pull any cash out of it. We just reinvest. reinvest. And for me, it's honestly reinvesting. So one of the big things, I don't touch my 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 income in my own portfolio. So I've got this whole life plan yeah. that I've built out. I learned this from one of my mentors named John Bairden, and I didn't do it till I was 42. So I used to be kind of skewed towards the Robert Kiyosaki side, right? Mm, yeah. Make investments, take on debt, leverage, you know, all the crazy people now that I look at them that are doing HELOCs at 9%, 10%, then they don't know how to factor that into their underwriting and they're going to end up losing money. And when the economy does take a shit, they're going to be over leveraged and then they're going to be in trouble. So now I'm much more Robert Kiyosaki, now I'm much more Dave Ramsey. Okay. He just lives right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> and so my I, re, I take all of my cash from my own portfolio and that pays down my debt. Mm. So because my youngest daughter is coming up on being halfway, <clears throat> excuse me, halfway through her freshman year in high school, part of that life plan, it's it's the business plan meets a life plan, right? It's, mm. it's all together. You can't separate this anymore. Yeah. The people that think there's work-life balance doesn't, don't know what they're talking about. You have to plan and yeah. schedule everything together. Yeah. yeah. It has to be cohesive, right? Yeah. Especially if you're married um, and have kids. So the life event is I've hit all my financial goals. I'm good with that. I don't need to make any more money. Um, I need to stay consistent with where I'm at today. Yeah. Um, but so I optimize, right? So I'm, that's why I, I, I want less properties, not more. Yeah. I want less businesses, not more. It's why I do something like market my STR where I don't deal with the back end. I am the influencer that has an ownership stake it that does the sales, yeah. that drives the customer, you know, to that product. I use the product. I share how I use the product. I share how it benefits me. I tell stories. I tell the truth. Then people buy the product. Yep. Um, and uh, the big life event is my youngest daughter graduating from high school and then figuring out where she wants to go to college. There's no question. She'll probably follow my oldest daughter, who's a senior, who's going to Belmont University here in Nashville. She'll probably end up going there. And then life changes for me yeah. and my wife. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what changes is, is for one year, I'll have a hundred thousand dollars worth of tuition at 50 K each for them if they both go to Belmont. But the reality is, is it frees us up to travel a little bit more than where we're at. So when I tell people define retirement and they say, well, can you help me with that? I said, yeah, I'm already retired. I've hit all these financial goals, Yeah, the debt, the debt pay down, the cash flow. My wife and I have already determined what our lifestyle is going to be in retirement. Yeah. We know we're not going to fly private. Even if I made another $5 million a year, I wouldn't fly private. I, I do want to buy my own plane, Yeah, but I wouldn't spend the ridiculous money to fly uh, private. I mean, dude, I and buying a plane is not that ridiculous. I dollars $300,000, $400,000, I can buy a, a six-seater that I, I can't fly all the way to Whitefish, Montana, but I can fly four hours basically anywhere around Nashville. Um, so... <laughs> It's really meshing life and unified goals and how you want to live your life and what you want to get out of it. Because I know my number, because I know my date, originally I was going to retire at 60. I'll retire, I'm financially retired at 49, right? But I got to go through those life events. Yeah. So when, when I've done that, when I put it on paper, not only do I have a much more intimate relationship with what I want to get out of life, but then I have my wife do the exact same thing. And then we come together. Mm. Don't ever do these things together with a friend or a spouse or a business partner or whatever, because one influences the other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So my wife would say, Oh yeah, whatever you want, I'll do that. You know, no, I want you to have your own, yeah. you know, thoughts, your own goals, yeah. and then we'll bring them together. And I'm talking, if, if, if any of your, your listeners are married, I'm talking about how many times a week are you guys going to have sex? Yeah. Define wow. intimacy. Yeah. Um, Cause you're going to audit this every single week, right? How much money? So if you don't audit this every single week, 
then how do you know if you're moving closer or farther away? Yeah. You know, from retirement, everybody's built one of these things. I don't sell this. This is just for my mastermind members and for me, but literally we audit every day. And I'll just show you a really quick example here. If I show you just one page on a Sunday, look, leadership, management, discipline, all these biggest wins every day. I fill this out every single day. My wife does the same thing. We meet for three hours, have a bottle of wine, eat some Italian food on a Friday afternoon. My social media manager branded it faith Friday, hashtag faith Friday. But really (laughs) what we're doing is we're going over the wins and losses of that week. Yeah. So I'm a big wine guy. That's like my hobby these days. It whether I'm moving forward or away from the financial goal determines, am I going to buy that $300 bottle of wine? Yeah. Am I not going to buy wine at all? Or am I buying a $25 bottle of wine? Yeah. Right. Am I going to buy a new, I just bought my oldest daughter 4.0 athlete got into Belmont. I said, here's, here's a brand new Bronco, not the expensive Bronco, the Bronco sport. That's like 38,000 bucks. Right. Yeah. But it was also leveraged as a lesson. Because one of the big things I want to teach my two young girls is financial literacy. She's like, why are you buying this for me now? I said, because you're five years from graduating from Belmont. And I just, I put $20,000 down on a $40,000 vehicle, 50%. I showed her what the payment was going to be. And I said, when you graduate, this is going to be paid off. Then I pulled up Kelly Blue Book. And I said, if you put on 10,000 miles a year, here's what it's projected to be worth. If you keep it in good condition. Now you're going to have an eight to $10,000 asset that you can either continue to drive, right? And have no payment yeah. because she's going to go to medical school. She wants to become a surgeon or you can sell it and get a new car. And because I have her on her and my youngest daughter on credit cards, my Amex Platinum, you're going to have a perfect 850 credit score when she turns 18 here in a month. <laughs> so I'm educating my daughters on those things. Does that make sense? hundred Which in my yeah. opinion is way more important than most people going to college to understand that stuff. That's all part of the life plan, if that makes sense. So there's the financial side, then there's the family side. If I don't prepare my two daughters for the real world, who's going to have to take care of them when they get out of college and have a bullshit, you know, bachelor's degree in, you know, psychology or rock climbing or whatever it is. And then they come back and move into my house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are you are a, a a fun person, Bill. You know you you know what's really interesting about you told me you wanted to have fun on the podcast. I did, right? I did, and I'm I am having a great time. This is this is just fantastic content. Uh, we we are getting close to time, but I I have like so many more questions for you. So I might have to have you back uh, back on soon. But my 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 last question for you for now is like what is what is the information diet that Bill. <laughs> consumes on a daily basis because i i would imagine right you you clearly have a passion for all this stuff you clearly have consumed a lot of content lived a lot of experience you've started businesses you've sold businesses in in and not just in like the same industry you've jumped around a lot of different places like you you're a partner at like a glow in the dark like golf like putting thing too right like like you've you've done so many different things and those things have taught you lessons, which inform who you are today. But, and and so some of this is just you know you're you're just sharing your life story, right? But wh- what it, what are you consuming to like get yourself centered and focused and excited to keep doing the work? Because you seem only more passionate as we've progressed through this conversation, not less passionate in it. So like, as you think about the the next several years of your life, wh- what is it that you return to on a daily basis? essentially recharge your batteries like do your batteries need to be charged like oh, like what 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 are the sets of learnings or readings or, or things that you do at, with respect to your routine that prepare you to be able to go and and live this incredibly extreme in a positive way this this all-in sort of lifestyle sleep i mean I'm, i go to bed at eight or nine o'clock almost every night wow. and i mean i'm 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 worn out by the end of the day because of, you know, the, the energy that I put into it. But the centering is my wife and I are the weird parents. I say this a lot, but we're the weird parents. Like our youngest daughter just played, you know, um, JV soccer. Okay. She didn't think she would make the team. She didn't want to go out for the team because she was afraid of getting cut and the embarrassment to that. Right. As a, a teenage girl, she made the team. She got way better. She was the weakest player on the team and she knew that and she hated that. 
Uh, she didn't like that feeling. Right. And mm. I, and she came to me and asked me, I said, I don't know, honey, I've always been the best player. I don't know. I said, I, I know when I was the best player in golf or basketball or soccer, I was always the best athlete. Mm. I said, I wanted to help somebody like yourself. And I told her, I said, you know, you are the weakest player, but you're getting better. Yeah. Right. So for me, it's my wife and I are the ones that go watch the practices. You don't see, we're the only crazy parents out there that are, <laughs> we can't stand at the fence. We got to sit in our car. We got to sit up on the hill. We got to have binoculars. <laughs> we know how limited, how much limited time we have with our teenage girls. Yeah. We want to, we, we want to take in every moment of it. So for yeah. me, my centering is coming back to them every day. I greet them at the, every day that I'm home, I greet them at the front door because I used to get to take, take them to school but now my oldest daughter drives, my youngest daughter rides with her. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, we greet them, we we hug them, we tell them that we love them. So that's kind of my center. When you talk about like learning or anything, yeah. it's the multitude of people that I speak to every day. Yeah, I don't have enough time to read a lot. I read when I'm when I'm on when I fly, yeah. which is quite a bit. I'm, I fly almost weekly, it seems like. Um, but I just don't have time in the middle of a day like today to sit down and read for yeah. an hour yeah. or two hours. So for me, the centering is my kids the speaking to people like i was just on the phone with avery carl who's on my super team before we jumped on this um and you know we talking to like my super team talking to the members in my mastermind that have have been, have excelled inside the real estate space the str space but also outside as doctors yeah. and um you know successful entrepreneurs and that type of stuff so i kind of consume my education through other people hmm. just and that's where i give there is not one thing that I teach anybody that I didn't learn from somebody else. Yeah. Anybody that says they've created a new system or a new procedure or whatever is blowing smoke up your ass. Yeah. All we do is we're learning and we're sharing with you what we've learned from somebody else. And hopefully it's just the stuff that has benefited us. Right. Yeah. But also we should be pointing out the mistakes that we make, which I think that's what separates a great coach from a good coach, the good coach only. And even the, inadequate coaches only talk about the wins they only talk of they only teach the stuff that's supposed to make you better the great ones the bobby knights the john woodens you know they yeah. those are the guys that are coming in and, and showing you what to avoid as well yeah and that's that's kind of what i love about the people i'm fortunate enough to surround myself with zach i i use the term i get to stand on the shoulders of giants and mm. that's what's made me great I don't have a big enough ego and I'm not delusional enough to believe that I could have achieved what I've achieved today on my own. I don't yeah. think anybody can. Yeah. A good friend of mine, coach Michael Burt, uh, who was a client of mine many years ago. Now he's a huge self-development coach and stuff like that. He was the winningest girls high school basketball coach of all time. Wow. And uh, he lives about 45 minutes from me in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And he says, everybody needs a coach. And that mm. started as a sales slogan because he was coach Michael Burt. Yeah. I don't even, I, I don't even use that, but I do believe it a thousand percent that yeah. we all need a coach. I'm not talking just being in a, in a mastermind or just being in a Facebook group. We need to seek out where if you can get it for free, that's awesome. If you have to pay for it, that's fine too, but you need to seek out and you need to have that one mentor, that one coach. I think where people go wrong is they consume way too many people, yeah. way too many different stances, way too many different educational forms yeah. on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. They try to pick and choose. Then you don't really understand the formula. You've hmm. got to buy into one or two people and stick with them. Yeah, That's I what I do. I think that that is uh, incredible, incredible advice and, and very much like a hot take. It, it's not traditional. It's not it's not like what I think many of us uh, imagine to to be the way to sort of acquire a, a roadmap, right? A, a, a rough plan. You, you think the pick and choose model would would make more sense. But but I think what you just said uh, is, is is spot on. Um, and and at the end of the day, we only have so much mind share anyways to devote to like learning and, and continuous improvement in any given day. Most of us have crazy days uh, every, every day, right? And, and the amount of time that we actually have to step back and reflect and think and plan uh, it is limited. So if you've only got limited time, it probably makes sense to spend that limited time continuing to learn from you know the fountain of of knowledge that uh, that that you believe most aligns with where you want to get to, rather than picking and choosing from from folks all over the place. But Bill, this has been um, I I agree. This has been a just a, a fantastic conversation. I 
as I mentioned before, have so many more questions for you. We'll have to have you back on, but I'm just uh, very thankful for you and your time and, and the work that you've done, the, the the legacy you've built. You you talk as if you're just out there, kind of just doing doing the thing that you know how to do, and it's it's seamless and it and it's easy. From my perspective, I, I I like I know how how much work this is, and and you've been so generous with with this community. You're continuing to you know punch punch higher and and live louder, and and as you mentioned before, you've you've kind of made it. Like you you've done the things that you wanted to do, and the fact that you're still in in the arena fighting fighting like bigger and better and bolder, um, I think is just a, a big testament to to your character. And I consider it a huge blessing and, and a privilege to, to get this opportunity to chat with you. For folks tuning in, I'll have links to all of Bill's social handles and podcasts and uh, communities and website. And of course, to the STR WealthCon conference uh, below. So please go give him a follow. Go check him out. Go subscribe to his stuff. He is, as you can tell, a wealth of knowledge. So Bill, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Zach. Had a great time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.